morning, hockey fans, and welcome back to another edition of RinkWise, or New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Joining us in studio today, we're so fortunate to have two wonderful hockey guests. Back again is Evan Miranovsky, our very own New England Hockey Journal analyst. And joining us for the first time is Paul McNamara, analyst with My Hockey Live. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stephanie and Evan. Thanks for having us representing My Hockey Live and talking about something near and dear to our high school hockey in Massachusetts. Which is great, Paul. I'm so happy you're here. Stephanie, I was telling you before, Paul used to call my games back in the day for Framingham. So Paul has... Paul had sorry, to hold on one the- second. So, sorry. We just... One problem. The problem is we neglected to salute Coach Stephanie Wood on her 200th career victory <laughs> at Austin Prep. Congratulations. Oh, I had a, some applause sound effect here, and it's not, it's not working. I can do All it right. on my own. Yeah. Yeah. 200, Stephanie. Congratulations, Stephanie. Incredible. Thank you. Thank Incredible. You. Thank you so much. And on yes. your way to 300. Yes. Well, we've got a long way to go. Got to get to 201 first. But <laughs> thank you so much. Appreciate it. It's been a, a great run, and it's been a lot of fun, and just like we have on this show. So I appreciate that. And, of course, today we want to get into an in-depth analysis. <laughs> I finally found it. <laughs> Round of applause. They're going crazy for you, Stephanie. I appreciate it. Yes, I'll have to sign autographs after. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll get to everybody. But today we want to, of course, talk about Mass High School Hockey. And it's been a great season so far. Really exciting. And specifically right now we want to talk about MIAA Division One Boys. Guys, how has that been so far this year? Well, I think coming out of the box, the the returning champion, St. John's Prep, might have had a a, a bullet on their back, a, a whatever you call it, on their back. Target on the back. A, a target on their back. Everybody knew they had a lot of guys coming back. They lost six or seven players that were that were important, but they brought back a, a pretty good cast. They actually have two first lines. The, the top six forwards are almost interchangeable, but they've been playing with each other for a long time on the, on each line. So those those two lines are intact. And uh, they've got maybe one of the top three or four players in the state in defenseman Aiden Holland. And he's a rock. He just runs everything there. And if you're a coach and you got you got players like that and a pretty good goaltender, you're ready to defend your title heading into the season. And they've performed pretty well. They're at 9-1-1. One, one. They're only lost an overtime loss to BC High early in the season. And around the midpoint, they were able to top Memorial, whom we'll talk about as is firmly in second place right now, and they, their first attempt to play was snowed out, but they got together again. They'll get together again in mid-February. So those two teams, to no, nobody's surprise, those two teams are going to be there, and they will go deep in the revamped MIAA tournament once it comes around late February, early March. It's funny, with SJP, I was actually at that game against BC High that they won last Sunday on the 22nd of right. January. And what's funny is, you mentioned the two first lines, Jimmy Ayers was out for that game. Cam Omla steps in, scores two goals. Right. And it was so funny to me because they that's their one loss of the year was against BC High. And so there is, you, I mean, not to repeat what you said, but... Like, it's so evident their top two lines are as good as they are. I mean, even like like Jake Vanna, right? Like, not the fastest kid, but you just, like, there was a great play he made in that BC High game where just a no-look pass right to a soft spot in front of the net. And, like, and that's a kid who's also a, a lacrosse standout as well. So he's, Jake is a, a three-time state champion. Incredible. Soccer, lacrosse, and last year in hockey. And Jimmy Ayers is a lacrosse, one of the captains. Jimmy Ayers is going to Hopkins to play lacrosse. And, Not bad. And Jake Van is committed to Princeton to play <laughs> lacrosse. So, you know, you've got some multi-sport athletes on that team as well. Yeah, and it, again, like, I mean, you mentioned CM and SJP, and I was so looking forward to that game 
on the 25th, but it got snowed out and pushed to, I believe, February 13th. Which yeah, Larry, my... Coach Larry Rooney was probably looking forward to that one as too for <laughs> yeah. CM. Yeah, and that was another, that game at, at, at Babson back in early January was kind of surprising, it's a little bit of a surprising result in the sense that they're, both teams are close, but the game itself really wasn't. That was pretty overwhelmingly St. John's prep. But the way CM is and how good they are up front, Tyler Hamilton and Joe Marchi and Nick D'Olimpio, like that, that's a team that to me, like, I don't think that loss sits well with them. I think that they're going to be looking for revenge in that in that next game. Not at all. And and St. John's Prep and Catholic Memorial, both out of the Catholic Conference, the strongest conference in the state. And this year, four of those teams could beat anybody on a given night if St. John's or, or CM would slip. Talking about Zavarian and BC High, St. John's of Shrewsbury has improved a lot. Malden Catholic is kind of in a rebuilding year. They lost a lot of kids that went to different schools, and that's why they were predicted earlier in the year to be maybe a top 10 team, but they've, they've struggled. And every one of those teams is well coached. They've got good staffs, and they're, they're all boys' schools for the most part. MC is affiliated with a girls' school now, but all boys' schools, lots of kids. So they've got more depth than a lot of teams they'll play. But but CM, as you said, loaded. They've mixed in a bunch of younger kids. Joe Marshy, you said, who's a freshman. Delimpio's a freshman. But, you know, Finn Burke kind of runs the show Incredible as a defenseman. Indeed. He's going to play at Bowdoin eventually. And they've got good goaltending. That was a question coming in because they lost a great goalie last year in, in Dom Wallica. But Owen, Hans- Owen Hansen has stepped in and shut the door on most of the opponents. And you're right. They are chomping at the bit to have a, another shot at the prep. Connor Freiberger as well. Incredible. Freiberger is a great player. <laughs> I mean, you just look at the way he drives play. And it's yeah. funny, like every time I go to a CM game, I'll typically do like a standouts piece from it. And I always kind of exclude Freiberger and Finn Burke because they're just, they're always standing out. It's yeah. like, it's incredible. And, and another one, Tyler Hamilton from my hometown of Framingham. So I always have to, I'm always favoring the Framingham kids clearly, but he's in, incredible. Just a so, sophomore too. Yeah, just a sophomore. Was great last year as a freshman. And as a 200 foot center, Jeff Cox always writes about how good he is in his own zone just as he's good in the in the opponent's zone so he's another one. I mean those two teams it feels like Paul if, if I'm correct on this it feels like those are the two teams at the top at least that are favored to be there at yeah the I mean you're right if there was a, a line in Vegas those two would have the, short, <laughs> the shortest odds yeah or, or at the on now but obviously there's no betting on high school sports <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> but you know you look at the next I mean we kind of separated those two from the rest of the field and then for my money at this point in the mid-season there's three teams that would be knocking on the door and that would be Hingham High School in in my in my estimation probably a little bit ahead of the rest of the publics at this point and then you got Pope Francis and Wellesley High who just lost their first game late in January to Milton and but they're coming into midseason they were 10-0 and and leading the Bay State League and not as tough a conference overall start to finish as the Middlesex League in talking about public schools but Wellesley you can't take anything away from them. And they'll they'll get some challenges throughout the Ed Burns Classic, which is a mid-season tournament run for 16 public high schools and over the course of three Sundays, last one in January and two in February. So as this comes out, a lot of people will know some of the results there, but it's a terrific field, and we can talk about that as we get deeper into the top 10 as well. New England Hockey Journal's RinkWise podcast will return after this message. Want to improve your hockey skills? Join the pros and try Sense Arena Hockey, a VR training tool available for both players and goalies. Elevate your game by improving your decision-making read and react skills. 
Train in-game scenario reps with Sense Arena to improve your hockey IQ. Reaction time, puck tracking ability, use of peripheral vision, anytime, anywhere. Play and train in over 500 different game-like scenarios. Don't miss our holiday deal. Save over $500 and get the MetaQuest 2 for free with the purchase of an annual plan. To take advantage of this offer, visit hockey.sensearena.com. That's hockey.sensearena.com. Sense Arena Hockey, training the next generation. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at sacredheartpioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at sacredheartpioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Going back to St. John's Prep and Catholic, just two two big programs there, and we can't wait to watch that matchup later this season. And, of course, St. John's Prep, the defending D1 champs, they automatically have the target on their back, as you mentioned, and it seems a unanimous one and two right now. And great to see Hingham in the mix, as always. They always have a strong program. And Paul, talk about it a little bit. They they seem to do a great job being able to really retain a lot of players, everyone, Hingham a lot of people stay, they develop them young, and just really a really thick tradition of, of great hockey in Hingham. Yeah, you're right, Stephanie. And as we look down in the, the other publics in the top 10, it is a challenge to keep kids from leaving to go to private schools, the Catholics or the independent schools, the great independent schools that are around New England. But you talk about Hingham, and the other, the other teams I would look at, Arlington, Reading, Marshfield, those teams and Braintree, those teams are able to keep more of their kids because of the youth program, the kids play together growing up, and the, the X factor that's the elephant in the room is every one of those schools has terrific coaching. And the kids might have had brothers like in Framingham. There's, there's lines of brothers that go down and played for the coach. And yep. a lot of those coaches have been there a long time too. There's not a lot of turnover, so there's the tradition. We talked to some of the Hingham kids at the – at the Garrett Reagan Classic, and they're so proud of we're Team 88. Out of the out of the box, it's we're Team 88, and there's a pride factor there. And Hingham is independent, unlike most of the other schools here. I think they're the only independent school in the top 15. They play an unbelievable schedule, and they get better as the season goes along. They tied St. John's Prep early in the year, and that was meaningful. I, I mean, at midseason, they've got four ties on their on their record, but they're all against pretty good competition. They tied, Ar- they beat Arlington, but they their other ties are against Marshfield and Braintree and St. Mary's of Lynn, all top 15 teams. So Hingham gets stronger as they go, and they are a team, Stephanie, you'd love this from a depth perspective, but they are a big four-line team. 
I mean, their fourth line gets involved in most of their action. They've got a kid on there who's a, a D1 lacrosse commit, Charlie Packard, on their fourth line. So they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. They're a very veteran team. They didn't know how goaltending was going to be this year because they lost a young kid to Belmont Hill you know, on a transfer. But a senior stepped in, and he's done a great job for them. They've got one of the best players in the state, too, in defenseman Chase McKenna. And a terrific kid. I mentioned he, he reminds you of a young Charlie McAvoy, the way he's, he, he's built. He's a right shot. He's not the biggest kid. And he wears number seven, which Charlie did it. There you go. <laughs> Maybe Close another enough. McAvoy. Yeah. And, and what's funny, what always fascinates me about a place like Hingham and Arlington and Reading is they do lose kids. And they're still really good. Like, you, I go to these prep school games, and like, there are kids from Hingham on these teams and Arlington, and like Jack Sadowski, I believe, left Arlington. Yeah, Arlington, for Arlington Union. lost two key players this year. Yeah. Uh, Sadowski and uh, O'Connor. So. And it fascinates me that they're still as good as they are. They're still elite teams. And I, it's funny, it's something I've always, I've talked with parents actually at games about this. I remember actually talking to a mother from Hingham, and she was saying how, like, even at these younger levels, the former professional players or college players coaching them like beginners. And I, maybe that has an effect long term, but you kind of hit on it a little bit too, Paul, with these legendary coaches, John Massuri, Tony Messina, like, these guys have been around a long time. And it's interesting to see how they kind of retain talent and, the, and that pride factor. Back when I was at Framingham, that was a big thing, having the pride of being a flyer and following in the footsteps of your family and your, your brothers and on the girls' side, you know, your sister and stuff like that. And it, it means a lot. And just going back to Hingham, like Aiden Brazel up front has been terrific and Ace Cannon. So feels like Hingham is a team. I mean, they, they could be a potential to take down one of those top two teams, it feels like. Yeah, they, they can skate with them. They're not afraid <clears> of them, and the schedule gets them ready for it. A couple of the X factors, Pope Francis, which is now Pope Francis Prep out in Springfield, they play a pretty good schedule. They're an independent. They may belong to a small league out there, but they get better as the season goes on. They're kind of under the radar, but they've some some tough games at the end. They play a couple of Rhode Island teams, and then they, they do have Hingham on the schedule. They've got CM and Belmont on their schedule near the end of the season. They'll be tournament ready, and they're a team that has just fallen short of winning the old Super 8. They were supposed to play Arlington in the, the Super 8 game that got COVIDed out back in 2020, but they're always a factor. Coach Brian Foley's been there a long time. He's it's kind of off the grid, and they get this Springfield Rifles program that has all the kids play, and then... Ryan Leonard. Go, Ryan Leonard, who may go in the first 10 kids in yeah. the draft this year. Legitimate. Was, was a, a Pope Francis kid, so... Yeah, terrific program, and all the teams want to play them. You might have seen them up at the Pete Frady's Classic. They were in that tournament with BC High and Central and St. John's Prep. But terrific program, great opponent, and they're right about where they should be right now, 3, 4, and 5, in my estimation. Again, not a public, but, you know, kind of an off-the-beaten-track off the from the, the regular occurrences around here. A lot of these teams seem well-poised for deep runs when we get to the playoffs a lot of depth as you said three four lines and that's Paul how important is that when you from what you've seen over the years when you get kind of towards the end of the finish line you just you need that depth and as we said hang them some of these teams really well poised right now to be in a good position when they get there exactly and a couple of changes over the last couple of years the Catholic Conference for one has gone to 17 minute periods which a lot of the coaches like some out of conference games it's up to the two coaches to decide but, you know, as a coach, Stephanie, playing longer periods is going to get your kids better. It's going to make you play more depth. And those kids that, you know, are getting more ice time throughout the season, they're 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. They're going to get better. 
with more ice time after after good coaching. And I would also add in, I think it's a great point that you just brought up. It also is more preparation for those that are going to go on and play in college, because as we know, college periods are 20 minutes. So, you know, why not have something that is more of a model that will be just like when they get to college? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I've always been an advocate of if you've got depth, play it because then in the crunch time, close game, your best players are going to be better. At least that's my theory. I mean, I've seen coaches that, that wore some of their top group out by overplaying them, and it, it kind of hurt them in the end. But if you've got the luxury of 12 forwards, roll them out there. Roll them. You know, I've never, it, I've it never doesn't have to be that. every time, but spot them and, and definitely put them in on penalty kills or at the end of a power play when you, you guys are off and give everybody else a rest and then set the lines again. Yeah, I've never really understood that, like riding in a mid-January game, riding six forwards i've never i've never really understood that because like it's a long season i mean it's, it's not as long as the nhl or college but it's a grind these kids are doing a lot they're going to school too. all this like they're tired in general there's no reason to ride these kids into the ground in a january game unless obviously it's a big game then that then that comes in well and, and to stephanie's point the closer you get to the end of february or march and you want to make a deep run i mean i was thinking about the other day with the new format no super eight anymore 32 teams go into a round of 30, actually it might be 35 or 6. There's some different rules where you got to play a play-in game. But first round is essentially 32 teams. After one game, 16 are out. And after the second game, 24 of those 32 are gone. So you're down to the final eight. And last year's final eight was tremendous with some of the teams we haven't mentioned here. But we covered a game, Belmont and Zavarian was one of the best games of the tournament after Belmont and Marshfield was a terrific game. They played that in Woburn, and then Severian and Belmont played. And again, Severian's depth kind of won that game against Belmont. It's got one of the best players in the state, Camp Fici, and terrific defense. Some other forwards that came back, they replaced the great goaltender with another good goaltender. Fici had a hat-trick the other night. <laughs> and Continuing. they won 3-1, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, but their, their depth kind of, it didn't hurt them on the surface. Those kids are still great players. But Zavarian could roll forward after forward after forward. And Zavarian played six defensemen routinely. Three of them were, were seniors, and one's playing at Babson as a freshman right out of high school now, Nolan Dion. But anyway, they, that kind of took its toll. And they, they won it overtime, I think. But still, Belmont's depth is, is the question. They're very well coached as well. But they sit at 8-2-2 two, and two midpoint and a little bit under the radar with Redding's good year this year and Arlington always there in the Middlesex League. But Belmont, their, their tournament experience now, and even though they don't have the depth that we're talking about, they're going to know how to play. And they, it would shock me if they're not in the, the final eight. With the Catholics versus the publics, do you see there being some way? I mean, this has been a question that was around when I was there. It was around way before me, but you kind of hit on it there where the Catholic teams, they can recruit. They can have kids from all over. Right? Not officially. Not officially. Not officially. No, I should I should mention that. Not officially, but they can get kids from all over. Kids from come from all over. It doesn't have to be town-specific. Exactly. Call it. Whereas Correct. you have towns like Arlington, Reddit, kids can only play from those towns. Is there a way to even it out in some way with the depth? Like, like obviously, if you have a great kids... Classic kids coming through Hingham, it helps a bunch. But something consistent, or is it always going to be kind of, you know, those public school teams might only have two really good lines to go up against four lines from a Catholic school team? That's a, that's a question for... That's a question of the ages. I feel like yeah, everyone's I mean, had that question I forever. I think that could be a whole podcast. Yeah. That's, I <laughs> well, think it's a great point, and I think it's it's come up. 
in recent years. And it's, it's, there's, there's varying opinions on it as well. And again, I think we could have a whole podcast on that. And maybe we will, Paul, at some point down the road. Well, I'd be happy to be in on that panel. I think Coach John Missouri from Arlington would, would take a limo down he here. Would, he he would love to talk about that. It, it, but that was kind of some of the impetus last year when some of the coaches, particularly John Missouri, Paul Donato at Wellesley, they kind of spearheaded an effort to get a midseason publics-only tournament. The Catholic Conference goes to a one-day conference classic. showcase. Well, the Freddies too, but but the Catholic Conference itself now does a mid-season, mm-hmm. the Sunday, the day before Martin Luther King Day, where all six teams are under one roof, and they play, and that's supposedly to get co- to get media in and to get recruiters in, college coaches, prep school coaches, whatever. But the the Ed Burns Classic, named in honor of the legendary Arlington longtime coach, it's Ed Burns Arena in Arlington now. But those two guys kind of got things going last year. And on three Sundays midseason, they play the Ed Burns Classic. We're only in year two. And by the time many of you are listening to this, you'll know some of the results. But last year was a terrific tournament. One division ended up with Marshfield beating Hingham 6-5 to in overtime. (laughs) And the other division, Canton, upset Redding. Some would call it an upset. Again, in overtime. So those two games were going on at the same time down at the Canton Ice House. And... It was a terrific format. Everybody got three more games on their schedule against very good opposition. And again, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, the top group this year is going to be so close that anything could happen. And one of a division, one of the two Division Two teams will be in the top group, either Tewksbury or Canton. That has, by the time you listen to this, you'll know. But as we speak, we they haven't decided on that. But there could be some terrific first round matchups in that, which again will take place Saturday, January 29th on My Hockey Live. So people can watch it. Little plug will, there. Will we hear you on that one, Paul? Yeah, well, I'll be there we for better. part of it. We've got right. we've got three people covering awesome. all four games. And we've got a guy from Hingham, Jake Levin, who wants to do the Hingham game. And Oh, Jake's uh, awesome. So Jake, Matt O'Brien, and myself will be covering that uh play-by-play and color so but that's this sunday and then to be determined the following two sundays new england hockey journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message do you want to skate fast for 50 years laura stam instructors have taught youth players to pros how to skate correctly powerfully and fast Players who attend Laura Stam power skating programs learn how to skate fast by learning how to execute every maneuver in hockey. They become powerful, stable, efficient, and explosively fast skaters. If you can't wait for a clinic, join our subscription skills video service and we'll show you the skills taught at our clinics in an easy-to-use video format with training plans to guide your training. Register or subscribe now at laurastam.com. That's L-A-U-R-A-S-T-A-M-M.com. You can learn to skate fast. Do you want to become a better hockey player this summer with Paul Vincent Hockey? Since 1972, Paul Vincent, currently the head skills instructor of the Florida Panthers, has been developing NHL and college hockey players. Paul Vincent stands by his saying, there is always room for player development. Players such as Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Keith Yandel, Matt Grizzlick, Patrick Sharp, Adam Oates, and many more have trained with Coach Vincent and his staff and have outstanding results. Join Paul Vincent this summer at one of his four Massachusetts locations, Canton, Saugus, Middleton, and Falmouth on Cape Cod. To reserve your spot today, go to pvhockey.com or call 978 807 4070. 
That's pvhockey.com or call 978-807-4070. Paul Vincent is ready to get back to work this summer. Are you? I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. I think if there's, there's one thing we'll agree on on this show is that there's really almost nothing better than high school sports. Agreed. High school hockey. It's just, it's so much fun. I know as a coach, I, I love it. It's just so much fun getting to play for your school and your town and your fan base and just so exciting to see. And now that we have fans in the stands and almost nothing better than high school hockey. No, it's great. It's, 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 it's really exciting, especially when the students come out, the kids come out yeah. and support. Some schools have a good relationship between the basketball program and the hockey program and each support each. The public high schools, not the Catholic Conference, the public high schools have the boys and girls support each other. And especially now with the growth of girls hockey, it's unbelievable. I mean, we, we do some Malden Catholic games and their girls team is at every game and supporting the guys. And you love to see that. And it's just high school spirit. There's nothing like it. And that's why my hockey lives got a presence in affiliation with the NFHS. We're always at the garden on that Sunday in March when the six championships are decided. Stephanie, you're familiar with that day. Oh yeah. And, uh, and that's a great atmosphere too. The way uh, different towns support, they, they, they end after one game and they leave the building and the other, uh, the other groups come in and fill it up. And it's, that's a terrific day. And obviously we're, we're hockey people. They do it for basketball too, but but that's the goal is to be there. And we could talk about another whole podcast. The Super 8 on the boys' side is not in existence anymore. That was sort of a, a, a unique thing. And again, we don't want to get into that today, but, but, but that's you, no you, longer there. <laughs> you mentioned it, though, too. I mean, with the, with the RPI, it's, 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 a, it's a modern way of, of ranking. So it takes into account, of course, strength of schedule. And, and if you're a team like Hingham, you mentioned this well in the, early in the podcast, that they're playing a really tough schedule. So... To me, that is a, they're going to be well prepared for really good competition when it gets to the playoffs. Yeah, that's a benefit. Yeah. Right? And, and you, you mentioned, like, I mean, it, it is essentially, you get down to eight. I mean, that's, that is your super eight. So it's, it's a bit of a way, like it's, it's, I'm sure there's different opinions on this, of course, in the whole hockey world, but it, it seems like just a, it's a, dare I say, a little bit more modernized way of a super eight. Well, that's a good point, but number nine through 12 would then be playing for the state division one champion. I mean, that's that's the other side of the, the argument. And like everyone was mentioning earlier that if you were, if you're a Framingham or, or in high school who's got a, a terrific record at halftime, again, they don't play the schedule, so they don't get the RPI points to move up. But teams like that could be playing. I remember a few years ago at the Garden, Braintree and Redding were in the D1 tournament, and they ended up having an, one of the best games of the day. 
and they became state champ. The winner of that game. It, it, it's obviously there's arguments on both side and and uh, both sides, and enrollments have something to do with where teams are placed, and there's so many you get in the minutia, minutia of it. It's it's frustrating. Get an ice cream headache thinking about it. But <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, you ask any of the coaches, they like the Super Eight. I mean, there's a you can talk both sides of it if a kid's uh, teams are on the bubble, but then they had a play-in game. And one of the best games I ever remember was they used to have the play-ins Monday night up at Bill Ricca or the Chelmsford Forum, which half of it's in Bill Ricca, half is in Chelmsford. But <laughs> Franklin made the play-in game, and this is probably 2016. They knocked off Silverian in overtime. And I don't know how the whole town of Franklin had gotten to Chelmsford or Bill Ricca that night, but the place erupted. And the glass almost came down. It was wild. And they, they get in the Super 8. Now, they didn't, I think they went 0-2 in the Super 8. But for those kids, that was like winning a title. Hey, we made the Super 8. After I left Framingham, so my my senior year, 2017, not to go back on that, but we went to the state final in Division 1. But the years after, they went to, they went on Super 8 runs. And, they, I mean, they didn't, they didn't win anything, but they were in the Super 8. And I remember, like, that was almost put on par with us going to the state championship because it was such a big thing. But I digress. I don't want to go too far into my own stuff. Well, I think as we're, we're clearly discussing <laughs> so many good boys hockey teams here and uh, clearly it's an honor to be in in that super eight and paul in your opinion obviously you're well plugged in you're in a lot of rinks and you, you obviously talk to a lot of different people is it your opinion that it's it's a bit of a mixed feel for uh, the super eight versus the rpi right now on the boys side that's a difficult question i think um as time goes on opinions will change but i guess it's a good point where you brought up before with belmont and zavari and i go back to that game because it was such a good game and it was in the elite eight they don't call it that but it was in the the round of eight so each of those teams might have been in the super eight if it a theoretical super eight of 2022 but it, it was also double elimination in in the super eight you were guaranteed i mean for a couple of years you were guaranteed three games where it was two pods and they you played everybody else and i mean they've done every iteration of the thing over the years but I think for Belmont, it was probably the teams that lost in that round. Of Austin Prep lost to BC High in a great game. We covered that one, too. one nothing. But I think if you asked Belmont and Austin Prep, they would have said, we would have rather been in a Super 8 where we, we had another game rather than single elimination. Sure. But there's... There's arguments on both sides. Sure. So I haven't answered your question. No, that's, that's a great, I think that's a great answer. And change anything, any big change. And this is a big change. It yeah. just, it's it takes time. And... Yeah. Takes time I, to form an opinion. I mean, uh, Jim Clark, who's the dean of, of everything high school hockey, brought up some good points last year. He went down the four boys' divisions and the two girls' divisions and said, who met in the finals? Where were they seated? And I think it was like 80% of it was one and two or one and three or one and four. And that that kind of bared out or bore out the committee in, in Franklin at the MIAA who would defend the new system. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I think clearly lots more to discuss on this. And I think it'd be great to do maybe another show after the season because it's, it's a topic I think our audience is, is, is definitely interested in. And getting back to the great teams that we've been discussing this entire time, we have BC High on the list, Braintree, Franklin. Paul, what are your thoughts on those teams? Well, BC High's been a little bit snake bitten with scoring. They have trouble scoring last year and this year, and they made that run I just referenced 
when they beat Austin Prep, and uh, they almost knocked off St. John's Prep too. But they were involved in three one nothing games in a row. I mean, they just they had great defense. They got a kid, Jackie Murphy, who was one of the best players in the state. Terrific. And Matt Burke, Matt Cox, and they're very well coached. They've got a good depth situation there as well. They've got a great program, great JV, great freshman, but they've just found themselves the last couple of years in the middle of the pack in the in the conference because of scoring. They just can't finish. They've had trouble finishing, and they lost two really good players to transfers this year as well. So it affects not just the publics, the Catholics as well, but they'll they'll be competitive down the stretch. They'll be in the tournament, and they it's not a surprise if they win a couple of games that maybe they're not expected to. You also asked about Braintree. Braintree's been a little disappointed this year. We, we looked at them early and thought well, they'd kind of roll. Again, their, their schedule is a little bit hot and cold. They're in the Bay State Conference, which is a little bit off this year outside of Wellesley and and Braintree and Framingham, who's come on. But there are, some, there are some wins in that league that if you don't win, you're going to be upset. You go into the game thinking you're going to win, which is a good thing, but Braintree really hasn't had hit the meat of their schedule yet. I think it, as we speak, they're like 6-2-1 and one or 6-3-1, and one, and that's good. But I think Coach Fasano expects more out of his team. They came closest to beating St. John's Prep last year other than that BC high, low-scoring game. They had St. John's Prep on the ropes. They lost it 3-2. to two. They pulled their goaltender in the last minute, and the puck never left the St. John's end. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was amazing that St. John's held on. So Braintree's competitive. They're athletic. They're deep. They're not where they want to be right now, but as the season goes on, they may, they'll show up for the playoffs. I, doubt, I, I guarantee you that. They'll show they up. They always show up for the playoffs. Yeah. And going back to BC High, you mentioned the scoring thing. And the times that I've seen BC High, you're 100% right in that they, like Jackie Murfield, bomb through the neutral zone and then it's just kind of like what's next and and i and and again that's not a lot of teams struggle with that but it seems like they have they have good players it just comes down to as you said the finishing aspect of it which again kind of important <laughs> going down the stretch but yeah i mean you're 100 right with your evaluation it's a hard thing to teach scoring it's a hard i mean even with the best talent Sometimes the puck just doesn't go in. Sometimes the goaltender is, is going to have a, a career game against you. But, you know, if it becomes consistent and you can't score in eight or nine games, you get a problem. <laughs> and I would say it's not kind of important. It is highly important. It's, you have those consistent goal scorers. It's just really hard to define those sometimes and prolific goal scorers. It's something you can't teach. Along with Hockey IQ, which is another whole podcast. <laughs> That's a rough a, one. A lack thereof. <laughs> That's a tough one. But one thing, though, St. Mary's Lynn, a little bit further down here, that was a team that I remember on the TV show, Paul, we talked about a bit. I still have a bad taste in my mouth. St. Mary's Lynn was the team that beat me in the state finals in 2017. <laughs> That's okay. Whatever. It never uh, goes away. Never goes I mean, away. It's, it's always, always there. Always going to sting a little. Always there. Yes. Always there. But... They are they're are they they're kind of on the outside right now, right? They're not, and I'm not I'm not raining on any parades or anything, but they they were a team coming into the year that we thought really could contend. They really haven't yet, right? A couple of things. They're very young. They're very well coached. Again, you hear me saying this all the time. We're blessed with so much great coaching. Great but, coaches, yeah. But Mark Lee's done a terrific job. He's always there, as you said. You mm-hmm. know, back that far. They're very young. They've lost a couple of kids in transfers the last couple of years who would be juniors or seniors now and would be the best player on their team. Their goaltender, I think, is just a freshman, but he's played pretty well. St. Mary's, again, has the problem of their league is down. They lost some school in Reading that's not in the league anymore that was very competitive. That would be Austin Prep, I believe. So there's two great games in a season that Austin Prep's not your opponent for St. Mary's, and that's a measuring stick between those two teams. 
So St. Mary's loses AP. They've stumbled a couple of times. They have the luxury of it's the old Florida State football. You don't play anyone until you play a great team, and then you're up for it because it's all you got to get up for. They tied Hingham, which was a, a very good win in their column. They won the Christy Serino tournament at Malden Catholic, knocking off Weymouth, who's kind of off this year, and Franklin, which was a great game. And they'll be there in the whether they go deep or not depends on the draw, which is kind of a cop out. I'm not I'm not saying they're going to go deep, but, you know, they they've they've got some tough games coming up where they're, they're going to go out to the Pope Francis tournament the last weekend of the season. And they play Central Catholic in the first game and then either Pope or Belmont in the other game. So. They're going to be tournament tested, and they'll they'll definitely be. I'm guessing they'll be in the the eight to thirteen or fourteen range RPI wise. So they'll get a home game, but then they'll have to. A lot of the the juggling is going to depend on where you don't want to be in seven or eight, where you end up if you win a couple of games, then you're going to play CM or, or the prep. <laughs> but a lot of it depends on where you fall. So each game becomes important. And St. Mary's, to a certain extent, they've got they've, their fate in their own hands. If they win the games, they're supposed to. But then they, they have to win a game or two of, of a tougher opponent. Yeah. No, they're an interesting team. And, and a lot of those kinds of teams are. And we'll see what ends up happening the rest of the year. Interesting stuff, though. Seems like they're certainly holding their own, a younger squad. And sometimes that's how it goes as a coach. You, have you get better, though. For sure. And that's a sign of a great coach, right, as you said. Exactly. And I think what's really exciting is that we still have just around, I believe, four weeks of regular season, three to four weeks of regular season hockey, and we're going to have some really big games, and some of these teams are going to play the bulk of their schedules coming up. And what can we look forward to there, Paul, with some big tournaments and big games coming up? Well, I think there's a couple of the tournament we mentioned before is important to all the publics is the Ed Burns Classic. And all those teams will play three games in that tournament by February twelfth, so a lot of a lot of jockeying for positions will be will be kind of ironed out a little bit temporarily at the end of that tournament, and then nobody really has a like in in college hockey. There's no conference tournaments. Everything's pointed towards the MIA tournament every year. The Buddy Ferrara Classic down in Falmouth with eight teams that has in the past determined a Super Eight qualifier or not. The players have changed a little bit. Austin Prep was in that tournament every year, and for a number of years it was Austin Prep and BC High playing in the finals. Hingham is is in that tournament. Duxbury's in that tournament. Archbishop Williams, who's had a better year than then people thought they're in that tournament as well. So the, each team will have three games in that tournament as well. So those are kind of the, the, the marquee ones with eight teams. Pope Francis, as I mentioned, they've got a, they've got a great vacation week tournament with Belmont, St. Mary's, and Central Catholic. Central Catholic, they're around 500 midpoint, but they play a very difficult schedule. So they could upset somebody in the tournament as well. I, I think those are the, kind of some of the key ones. There are the holiday classics that Framingham used to play up in Burlington. We did Burlington, every year Burlington the, Chelmsford, us, Med, and Medford. Medford yeah, yeah, Ed Cahoon Cup. We could never beat Burlington. That was the one. Yeah. We could never beat him. Well, Bob Concession is retired now. His son's running the show. And they're, they're, the cupboard's a little bare this year, but Burlington will be back. But they're always very competitive. They're not going to make the tournament this year. But, but some of those tournaments do have do become factors at least in teams overall records and again seeding position I don't know if I answered your question well, oh, there, Stephanie. No, it's, but it's wonderful. Wonderful insight. And again, clearly just going to be a really exciting next few weeks. And I think we can expect, as always, a really fun and exciting competitive playoff tournament. 
Amen. Yeah. Excited for it. Should be fun, Paul. And I think, a lot, calling a lot of games. I think with the, and also we should note with the, some of the changes the MIAA has implemented, we'd, we'd love to also hear from the audience. We'll, we'll certainly talk about this more in the off season. And I think people have to keep in mind too, nothing ever stays the same. The, the game is always evolving and their intent is to continue to better. So it's, it's, and change is, is necessary at times, but we would certainly love to to hear from folks what are their thoughts on that and paul we'd love to talk more on that maybe in the off season you guys have my number (laughs) (laughs) great it just i want to thank new england hockey journal i mean my hockey live new england hockey journal hockey night boston the neutral zone everybody's kind of working on the same page and to promote the game and to to give credit where it's due and and i think we all enjoy the game so much and we enjoy working with the kids and the coaches and it's a fun time we hate winter in new england but you know we've got one saving grace high school and prep school hockey that is correct and it's nothing better than hockey in new england it's the best it really is i mean it it makes the winter go by way faster than it should thankfully for all of us But yeah, it's been a great show. Well, guys, this has been really great. I know I've loved listening to you both and uh, talking hockey, of course. And I I know our audience will as well. And again, just it's going to be a really exciting run here. And uh, Paul, will have to get back into it when we get to the playoffs and, and have a recap on everything. Sounds great, Stephanie. Stephanie, Evan, our thanks on behalf of My Hockey Live to New England Hockey Journal. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal. And subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media Production. <laughs>